Hi everyone. Welcome. This is Seeking Sustainability Live number 300. Woo! Oh my gosh. I never, never thought when I started the series that I would be celebrating 300 episodes. It's just incredible. So huge, huge thank you to all of you who watch and comment and like and share and give me ideas for people to interview, uh, make introductions, all the amazing guests on the show. Big, big thank you to all of you. Uh, thank you to all the supporters who have donated uh, awards here on HAPS, a few dollars here and there on Patreon and Coffee and Buy Me a Coffee. You guys are awesome and keep me going, keeping me motivated. Hey, Peter, thanks so much for joining and thank you so much for the award. Uh, I have to say I was going to mention, of course, that HAPS is one of the new things that I have added to this Seeking Sustainability live talk show series this year. And I've been so happy and feel so welcome by the HAPS team and the HAPS community. So big, big thank you to all you wonderful HAPS people out there. I really appreciate you guys welcoming into, into your amazing community to share my passion for sustainability and to introduce all my amazing guests on the series who are doing great things in Japan and around the world. And I hope that people watching can get some ideas for your life, your community, your workplace. That's the idea uh, to share these good ideas. Hi, Frost from YouTube. Enjoyed the interviews. Uh, can't watch as often because of timing. Yes, timing is always tricky. And uh, anybody watching the series will notice that if I'm doing a morning show, I'm usually nice and genki and active just like today. Uh, lots of coffee, full of adrenaline. I'm an early riser, so I wake up at five. Uh, if you watch the later shows, uh, you can see me dragging. I've had a, a probably a nap during the day. These are behind the scenes secrets, by the way. I've probably, if I have an evening show, I've had a nap in the middle of the day because I'm up at five. And after 5 p.m., I'm usually dead. <laughs> but if I take a power nap, in the middle of the day, just after lunch, then usually I can manage the evening shows as well. So I've I've been kind of playing with the times a little bit, um, but usually the shows are at 9 a.m., 12 noon, or 5 p.m., and that seems to be hitting times when people can get on and join us and engage and ask questions or comments. And that's the whole point of doing the live stream is to engage with all of you and to find out what topics you're interested in. And I love hearing your questions and comments because it adds so much to the conversation with the guests and finding out more of their insights from your point of view, if you're in Japan or anywhere around the world. So really appreciate the audience. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, I'd like to introduce my ideas. I wrote a newsletter. I just launched my very first uh, newsletter on Substack. And uh, in this first newsletter, of course, great time to talk about 
this 300th episode. So I wanted to go through um, the newsletter and just talk about what I wrote because it's what I want to say and it'll keep me on track. Um, so I should share the, the link with you. I'll share the link at the, at the bottom. Uh, let me see if I can present the page so you can see it. Has anybody used Substack out there? So I thought I'd try it. So 300th episode of Seeking Sustainability Live. That's the, the newsletter there. Let's see if I can get it on the side. I love how you guys have uh, done the layout and the graphics and everything here on HAPS. Uh, some people might remember that I was using a different system before. I was using Ecamm and Restream IO and iOS. And I had to do all these uh, different preparation things before I did any episode and and. I had to make sure that the titles were right on different platforms. So HAPS has really saved me a lot of time and made it a lot more efficient. On the guest side as well, uh, on the system I was using before, the guests couldn't see the images that I was putting up. The guests couldn't see the comments from the audience. But now using HAPS, the guests can see everything that I can see. And the guests can also share to their, oh, oh you see my cat behind me? Oh, yeah, cats are everywhere. Um, so the, the good thing, another good thing about HAPS is that the guests can also see the comments, the guests can see everything, and the guests can also share out to their networks on social media as well if they want to. Um, so recently when I did a talk with Hiko Simon, he's got a really big following on YouTube and he shared it out to his YouTube channel. So we got a lot of his followers that normally don't know about my show, um, but they want to watch him wherever he is. So that's nice uh, added element of HAPS that people can use both of their guest and host, both of their social media. So you can extend your audience quite a lot. Okay, I wanna uh, first introduce dun, 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 some stats and data about the talk show, which maybe you're interested in. Uh, so Seeking Sustainability Live, the top 10 watched on YouTube um, between April 2020 when I started and September 2021, 300 episodes. Uh, the very top is Japanese pottery with Robert Yellen and renovating your old Japanese house into a stunning home. Um, and Paprika Girl, Kimono Life, Asby Brown, uh, beautiful small house designs in Japan. And Alicia with Celebrating Creativity. And uh, Jason with Jason's All Sumo. Uh, Kyle with Japanese plastering, Thomas with no-till organic farming, and uh, Hiroko and Matt uh, with Ninja Tales, and Paprika Girl again with kimono, fragrances, and traditional Japanese culture. So that was really nice to see 
some of the returnees, some of the most popular guests who have graced um, our Seeking Sustainability live talk show a few times. They were, some of their episodes were in the top 10 and Paprika Girl actually had two of her episodes which were in the top 10 uh, most viewed uh, videos on YouTube. So that was nice to see. So let me uh, read a little bit of the newsletter which gives you a little bit of background. Um, so it's so amazing to see this little, little COVID-19 project I started out of frustration in April 2020 now has hit the 300th episode. Thank you all so much for your interest and support is awesome. Uh, Seeking Sustainability Live has been very entertaining as we stuck at home dreaming of remodeling an old Japanese house, traveling to beautiful destinations through a photographer's lens, learning how to grow a beautiful garden, hear stories of Japanese history, heritage, folktales, and fantasy, or see the world in a new way through the eyes of an artist, activist, expert, or visionary. For me, these 300 hours spent with interesting people diving into various topics has been such a wonderful research journey. Unexpectedly, I have also become a kind of sustainability agent, contacted by companies and third parties, media companies, educators, researchers, and other interesting parties, wanting guests and episode recommendations. So that was really a nice thing that's, that's been happening is I've become kind of like a, a bridge, not only for sustainability issues to the world using these guests, but also a bridge between agents and people looking for guests and experts and people that, in the topics they're interested in and asking me who I can recommend. So I'm really happy to play that role as well. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know about the small house designs. Yeah, nice. I can watch later. Yeah, Asby Brown uh, is an expert architect, and he's also an activist with SafeCast and helping uh, promote safe safety for nuclear power. Um, he's also got so much insight about traditional Japanese carpentry, temple carpentry. So he's been on the show many times, very popular returning guest. Uh, let's talk a little bit about demographics. I think demographics might be interesting to you. So the audience demographics seeking sustainability live talk show has a loyal Japan-based audience, yay, of about 40% of viewership. But the international audience is growing and engaged in the topics. So people watching on YouTube, the number one audience is in Japan. Number two is in America. Number three is in India. Number four is in Brazil. And number five is in the UK. Listening to the podcast version of the talk show, number one is again in Japan. Number two is in India. Number three is in America. And number four is Australia. Number five is Germany. Isn't that interesting? how the demographics are very different for people who are watching or people who are listening. And I appreciate you all. Fantastic. <laughs> now let's talk about popular themes in the series. I think I mentioned this when I introduced the top 10. 
So popular themes in Seeking Sustainability Live, traditional Japanese house remodeling and restoration projects, organic permaculture, natural and no-till farming methods. So we've had both professional farmers and uh, avid gardeners, hobby gardeners on the show, and they've both been very popular topics. Uh, also future travel, more sustainable travel and tourism options in Japan. So that was a reason I started the new sub-series every Tuesday at 9 a.m. talking just about travel and uh, introducing some of the guests from the series who have introduced travel in different areas, but also adding my own insights from when I visited those destinations because future travel and sustainability travel sustainable travel and tourism is such a really popular topic. Um, next, art, artisans, craftspeople, and traditional trades in Japan. And of course, uh, one of my personal favorites as well, Japanese alcohol, makers, flavors, traditional appeal, sake, shochu, whiskey, and craft beer. Uh, we also had an expert talking about the Okinawan uh, liquor. So we've had a lot of Japanese alcohol uh, talks in the series. Diversity and inclusion issues and indigenous cultures in Japan has also been a very uh, important and popular topic. Uh, inspiring educators as well as authors, writers, and journalists who shine a light on important issues for the balance between people, planet, and profit in Japan. So these have all been the most popular themes. Ooh, everything got very glitchy there for a second. Uh, do you have a favorite theme or topic? Please let me know in the comments below. Uh, I always love to hear from uh, people who support me on Patreon or buy me a coffee with the comments or uh, people commenting during the lives on the topics and the the questions that they have, it makes me realize uh, which topics and uh, themes people feel most passionate about. And uh, so if if I hear from you in any of my many social media channels, I will be sure to seek out guests who can talk uh, in their expertise and in their passion about those topics. So please make sure to write below. Hey, thanks, good Hiroshima. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so we talked about the all-star guests who have been on the shows multiples of times. We've talked about the demographics, popular themes. Uh, did we talk about all-stars? I think I introduced them in the top 10, but not really yet. Organic topics you like, Frass. Nice. Thanks for telling me. I love organic topics too. Um, seeking Sustainability Live All-Stars that have appeared in the series multiple times. Our film producer in Tokyo with a deep love of utilizing the best of traditional Japan in her stylish modern life. Paprika Girl. Her real name is Riki Okanda. She's also an author. She's written a couple novels. Just a super talented lady who makes uh, wearing kimono looks so stylish, but also easy and doable in modern life. I love it. Um, also, Arthur, author, architect, activist with a deep love of Japanese carpentry and innovation in house design, Edo era, sustainable living, 
and a passion for transparency in documenting radiation levels with SafeCast is Asby Brown, who I mentioned before. Now, all of these, I have put all of these all-stars into their own playlist. So I will link all of those playlists below if you have a favorite guest and you want to watch all of the talks that they've done, uh, then the playlist is the easiest way to find them all. So I've, I'll do that uh, after this is published, after we end the live. Uh, next translator, lawyer, YouTuber, Japanese news commentator, uh, Hiko Simon. So we had our most recent collaboration uh, on Friday last week. It's always great to talk with Hiko Simon. He has lots of very different insights about life and work in Japan than I do. And uh, so we have, you know, a lot of similar themes, but also different points of view. So I think it's a good collaboration. Uh, next, American and Japanese alt Japan team translators, authors, and deep Japan history, culture, and folklore investigators, Matt Alt and Hiroko Yoda. They've been on the series many times talking about their yokai books, their ninja books, uh, all of their amazing book series in the Attack series that they've done and uh, other books that Matt has written. And Matt was also talking about his article that he wrote uh, in The New Yorker talking about the Olympics. A marine biologist, social entrepreneur, and shark scientist, Marik Dornhege from Germany has been on the show a few times. And it's, uh, I think it's, it's great to look at the all-star list there and to see all of the, the diverse topics and the different themes, right? Some people sometimes say, um, why is that connected to sustainability? Or, you know, if they're focused on sustainability, but only the environment, or some people's focused on sustainability, but only social impacts. But I'm trying to bring in all the topics which have a balance of people, planet, and profit. Like, how do we make business better? How do we not only think about profits, but also think about your staff and the community and your customer and your impact on the environment. Like all these things are so interconnected and so important to think about together. So I'm not just in one lane. I'm in all the lanes. I'm all over the place. Um, so it's so nice to see that the all-stars, the people who have been so nice to share their expertise more than two or three times on the series, that they come from such a diverse group of topics and backgrounds. Hey, Allison, great to see you from Facebook. Can you remind me of the name of the man who did the film about the young Ainu woman? I have promised to send it to friends back home. Yes, that is Chuck Bescher. And uh, that was one of the few talks I had talking about the Ainu. Uh, I also talked with a translator who helped translate a book written by a Japanese author about the Ainu and her name is escaping me right now, but I will review and write those uh, links below after we're finished with the live. And congratulations on 300. Also socks. 
<laughs> think that was for yesterday. Yeah. Uh, later today, we couldn't do the 299th episode. Unfortunately, we had technical issues last night. Uh, so we weren't able to do it last night. That was supposed to be with Ebby, Ebony Brown. We have rescheduled for noon today. If for some reason we won't be able to get on, she wasn't able to get her camera to connect with HAPS for some reason. So if, again, we can't do it on HAPS, we're going to go on over to Instagram Live where she has a very uh, strong following. So, yeah, please join us today, 12 noon, and please mention Socks at that time because she is my favorite social media poster about Famima Socks. So we're going to do that um, during her episode today, lunchtime. So please join us at 12 noon. Uh, Chuck Bisher. Yeah, I'll put the, the link below. All right. So we've talked about the all-stars. We've talked about demographics, popular themes, uh, going through the newsletter. Um, the top 21 podcast downloads. I don't think I've talked about yet. So for the top uh, podcasts of this year, downloads so far, uh, introducing the Seeking Sustainability Live podcast series has been the most download. And it reminds me, see, I made this in 2020, this one. And it reminds me that I need to do another one for 2021 because things are changing. Things are, are different from last year. This is a evolving podcast talk show. Uh, the next most popular is Growing Your Own Food in Japan with Flo and Blaze, Thomas and John. So that was a great collaboration between professional farmers, uh, urban farming coach in Tokyo, and avid gardeners. Like they are unbelievable hobby gardeners. Uh, Flo and Blaze. And Flo and Blaze have had their own episodes later, but that uh, Growing Your Own Food episode has been the most popular besides my intro of the show. Um, beautiful, small Japanese home designs has been uh, number three with Asby Brown. Love of traditional Japanese buildings with John Stolenmeyer. John Stolenmeyer is an amazing uh, carpenter using traditional Japanese techniques in Japan, making beautiful uh, modern buildings, but also using the traditional techniques that's worth listening to or watching for sure. Hiroshima Oysters Ocean Plastic Pollution Problems. That's kind of a personal passion project episode of my own. Uh, guiding week-long outdoor rural adventures in Japan with Daniel Moore is next. And the genius of Japanese carpentry, secrets of the ancient craft, again with Asby Brown. Uh, from Quebec to Japan, meditation, yoga, pilgrimage, and mindfulness coaching. That's interesting. We didn't see that in the top list for YouTube, but it's very popular uh, podcast listen, podcast download. Uh, building sustainable fashion brand in Japan with Clementine Sandner of Mikan Bags is next. And the beauty of Japanese pottery uh, with Robert Yellen from his Kyoto studio. 
Pottery Studio. So yeah, really nice again to see how diverse the um, topics are in the top 10 podcasts for, for this year. And to also see that some of the talks from 2020 are still very popular. I'm so happy to see that because I felt like I had a big learning curve, <laughs> learning all the technicals, learning how to interview people, learning not to talk too much. That was a big hurdle for me as a teacher. And you can see now I'm just taking over. So when I do interviews, I'm trying really hard to let the guests speak and just give them prompts and questions and insights from their work, which I've researched, which hopefully help the conversation along. And of course, thanks to all of you guys for your wonderful questions and comments, which also adds so much to the interviews. Did you do anything in beekeeping? Yes, I have. I have not had a beekeeper as a guest on Seeking Sustainability Live, but I do have a video that I did with a beekeeper on Miyajima Island that I visited and took video and interviewed him on location. Um, so that's also on my channel, but not in the talk show series. Um, I will also put that link below. Thanks for reminding me. And go flow, yay, Clementine. Yes, these are our great guests. And it's so nice to see that they're, they're in the top 10 most downloaded. Wonderful. All right, let's continue. I think I have other uh, highlights I want to share from the article, the newsletter on Substack that I made. Um, so some people may wonder why I started Inbound Ambassador. So I started my business in order to help promote the great product services and destinations, which go above and beyond with their low impact, traditional and culturally rich natural methods that need better marketing to show how they are better than the status quo. So I often come across um, businesses or entrepreneurs who are doing amazing things, but they're not talking about it. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do, but they're not adding it to information that they share with customers or potential customers. So we need them to share that. And even though they're very modest and humble, we need them to share it and talk about what they're doing, which is more sustainable and better, not only because it's a better model for other businesses or entrepreneurs who are looking for best practices to follow, but also it's what customers are seeking. And so many big companies are now starting to use sustainability in their communication with customers, but they're only doing a very small amount usually. These small businesses, small uh, groups and entrepreneurs are doing such great stuff that I just hope that I can be a reason that they have a chance to talk about it and to help promote them and to put their information through my, my talk show on YouTube and all these other channels so that hopefully they can reach a wider audience and be supported. We don't want these uh, entrepreneurs and small businesses to stop doing the great work that they're doing. So that's really the impetus for not only this talk show series, but also for my company. That's 
the meaningful work I want to be doing. Without good PR, ethical, sustainable businesses are lumped in with the unethical, the status quo majority. Communicating how businesses put their long-term sustainable mission into daily actions is what consumers in 2020 especially are seeking and which I'm trying to help. Spread the word. Spread the word about it. <laughs> It's my my job. It's like an online cheerleader. Uh, sustainable travel is key. So everybody who listens or watches the shows know that I'm very passionate about sustainable travel as a great way to adopt sustainable models. Sustainability uh, appeals to inbound visitors and preserves a higher quality of life and environment for locals. I have an MA in sustainable tourism from Arizona State University, and I grew up in Hawaii. So I feel I've kind of grown up thinking about um, this topic and how tourism, if it's left to the status quo, is very exploitative and destructive. And there's often injustice and a gap between what the visitors are allowed to do or able to do and what the locals living in that destination are able to or allowed to do. And that can be balanced with more sustainable travel models. So that's my, my passion. Travel often comes into a lot that I talk about. And another reason for that is uh, coming from a long career as a communications business and tourism teacher in English, taking students abroad to other countries where they can experience uh, uh, the program in English and realizing how important it is for them to travel to take in the lessons that they're trying to learn in the classroom. So there's so many important implications for how we can use travel to learn and engage and think about sustainability in a very real way and uh, include the inbound connection, the international audience connection in what we're talking about because travel, of course, is usually focused on the inbound market, although the domestic Japanese market, very important too. Uh, do you recommend any books on sustainable tourism? There, you know, there's a lot of academic journals. <laughs> or not, will you write one? Good question, Allison. I, okay, that, I have to tell you a story. I hired a coach uh, to try to write a book based on all these amazing learnings from the talk show. Um, and I tried to slow down the talk show to once a week um, so that I would have more time to write the book. But you know what I realized after a month of coaching, which is really, it's a great credit to coaching because sometimes you go into a coaching experience not with one thing in mind and come out with something completely different on the other side. And that's what happened. With me is I, I wanted to hire a coach to help me write a book. And uh, when I came out on the other side after the month, I realized, you know what, right now, uh, it isn't business as usual yet. We're still in this coronavirus time. I still have so many people I want to talk to. You know what, I'm going to focus on doing the talk show a bit longer. 
So I was really happy to hit this 300 talk show mark. And I'm planning for the next few months, probably at least until the end of this year, to really focus on continuing doing as many talks as I can. So the book, yes, it is in my mind, but not right now. Yeah. Um, if I think of any good books, though, Allison, I will write them in the comments below or I'll, I'll send you the links if I find them. There's it's it's the pro, it's a problem, right? Like if you look at uh, sustainable tourism, even seminars or conferences or presentations, it's very academic right now. Still, it's still a small group of people working or studying or researching these topics. And uh, it's kind of like an echo chamber. Right. So that's another reason I wanted to start this talk show is to spread the message beyond the echo chamber, like reach a much wider audience. Uh, people who might be really interested in remodeling old houses never thought about the connection that it has to sustainability or interested in fashion never really thought about how important uh, reusing beautiful kimono is in terms of sustainability and perpetuating kimono culture for a much longer time. So there's so many examples um, and topics which I think bring in a very wide audience, but for a very long time, people were confused about my target for Seeking Sustainability Live, right? Because it's so wide. And I'm not focused in on one small audience group. I am focused in on spreading the message to as many people as I can. I hope I answered your question. That was a very long answer. <laughs> I love it though. Keep them coming. Um, so sustainable travel is my consulting niche with an inbound focus, and it's allowing me to work with small businesses, guides, policymakers, and entrepreneurs who want to appeal to an international inbound market. So usually I have one or two work uh, commitments every month. And when I don't have those uh, conferences or seminars that I'm doing, then I dedicate my time to filling up my calendar every weekday with great guests for this Seeking Sustainability talk show. I just wanted to add that recent studies show that 69% of international travelers now expect the travel industry to offer high quality, more sustainable travel experiences. Therefore, applying a sustainable mindset to any project, product, or service is a huge standout opportunity. And actually, if you don't start applying sustainable mindset and sustainable practices to your business, product, or service, or destination appeal to visitors right now, it's a risk. So this is often the hurdle, right? When you talk to people as a consultant and you try to encourage them to take on more sustainable mindset models. And the initial conversation is always about cost and risk. But I truly, firmly, passionately believe that if you're not changing now to more sustainable practices, it's, it's a risk and you're gonna lose out on customers because customers are seeking 
more sustainable initiatives. Uh, walking the walk. <laughs> oh, one more thing. So this summer in 2021, uh, Seeking Sustainable Travel was launched. So live stream travel seminars every Tuesday, 9 a.m. to share insights, photos, resources, and stories from great destinations in Japan with a lens on good models to use, but also ideas for improvement. So this has been a new thing uh, this year, which I just launched this summer. And it's been really fun. Uh, so it's another chance for me to bring in some of the key points from some of the guests that I've had who talk about their destination. And it's also a destination that I love. So for example, uh, talking about Kamakura a few weeks ago, I brought in some examples from Kamakura Mind, from Kamakura by the Sea, talking to those local experts, but also bringing in examples from my own travel experiences there, which I, I learned so much just by being there and observing and bringing in other ideas, maybe from other areas that they could apply to this destination. So that's been kind of a nice new thing to add to what I'm doing this year is adding that Seeking Sustainable Travel series. Uh, walking the walk. So we as customers and consumers are very skeptical of believing what companies claim. We want to see sustainability in use. This walk the walk behavior works well with promoting local products, avoiding crowds, and showing refill areas. So for example, uh, using Maimizu and the refill areas for your water bottle. Uh, we know that consumers value more ethical companies, products, services, and even guides. So showing sustainability in action is an effective strategy to better reviews and repeat customers. Sorry, so uh, adding sustainability is much better for your brand if you want to have your brand last for many, many years. Can you share a link to the seminars? Uh, so the travel seminars you're talking about, Seeking Sustainable Travel, or my seminars that I'm doing for different companies. Yeah, so a lot of the, if you're talking about the company one, um, they're like many uh, seminars happening around Japan right now, they're private, uh, people pay or they're inside a work group, for example, a destination marketing organization. Um, so it's, it's private for them. I wish I could um, share it to the world, but of course they're paying me. Um, so they kind of control how much of the content they allow out to the public. It's kind of training. Um, seminars for them, right? Yeah, so happy to do it, but yeah, not always public. If it is, if it is public, I'm very happy to share the link and uh, of course share as much as possible. So here in the uh, newsletter, I'm showing the SDGs. Now this is uh, sustainable development goals for anyone who doesn't know. And we often see people walking around with the lapel pin, with this, the multicolored lapel pin with sustainable development goals. It's a big part of targets and uh, the public face of many companies in Japan. And I always use it as an opportunity when I see people who are wearing the pin 
or who have the, the uh, SDGs uh, loop on their Meishi, on their business card, I always use that as an opportunity to talk to them about SDGs. But to be honest, um, the impression that I'm getting is that a lot of companies and businesses and even government in Japan, they are thinking of SDGs as a problem somewhere else. Initiatives that they need to help somewhere else. And Japan companies are so great at helping get developing countries started with a more sustainable technologies. But we also really, really need initiatives happening here in Japan. We have a lot of issues in Japan that need to be addressed. Um, so for example, if you look at number five, gender equality, this is a big issue. Uh, we need to talk about and discuss and think of ways forward in Japan. This huge issue. But even looking at uh, number six about uh, quality of water. You know, the, Japan has great water. Why don't we see more water fountains? Why don't we see uh, more drink machines that do not have bottled water but have a free water fountain? with filtered water right next to it. There's so many initiatives from this SDG chart that we can apply and personalize for problems and situations in Japan, which will enhance the local quality of life and lessen the impact on the environment. In fact, maybe improve the environment. Let's work on that. And better for the economy. So there's the three prongs. If you'd work on improving quality of life, quality of environment, you will improve the economy and profits as well. I truly believe that. And the more experts I talk to, the more research I do, just underlines that, highlights it for me over and over. Um, so this is definitely the way forward. Oh, Kamakura, yeah. Kamakura is online on my YouTube channel. Uh, it is under its own playlist now, which I will add below. Uh, every Tuesday, 9 a.m. is the live, the Seeking Sustainable Travel live. And it is like Seeking Sustainable Travel, Seeking Sustainable Live talk show. Seeking Sustainable Travel is also live streamed from HAPS on all the multi-streams, but it has its own playlist now. Yeah, so it's kind of just from me, but I'm incorporating some of the key aspects from talks, um, which have also talked about that destination, as well as my personal experiences in the destination. Yeah, I'll link it below. Thanks, Allison. Thanks for clarifying. So SDGs and accountability. We want more transparency, accountability, and uh, communication, clear communication about how businesses, how product services are using the SDGs, are applying people, planet products in what they're doing. We want to see it in action. Uh, we have big problems in Japan, like I mentioned. So nationally, 67% of Japan's energy is still from fossil fuels now in 2021. 38% uh, of that is coal, 
and the biggest Japanese banks are still funding fossil fuel projects and major plastic products and plastic companies. So how can we make sustainable change when all the funding, all the money is still focused on short-term profits and really going the opposite direction of what we're trying to do with long-term success? Uh, there's something I don't think I've talked about uh, in the series or yet, but one of the companies that I think is has a very good foundation, Japanese company, very good foundation in sustainability and a very clear message, public message about sustainability is uh, Kikoman, shoyu, soy sauce. And if you search Kikoman, history or Kikoman heritage, there is a great uh, YouTube video and I'll try to add it uh, below as well. Sorry, I just hit my mic. Can you hear me okay? Um, and the founder uh, is talking about his vision for uh, sustainable business, not only using the traditional heritage of shoyu, and applying and perpetuating that important cultural heritage, but how he wants people to love his product and love using his product a hundred years into the future, 200 years. He wants his great grandchildren to be proud of what he's done. Oh my gosh, that just gets to me because that should be what all leaders are trying to do. What all parents are trying to do is create better futures for their own children. We want leaders of companies and businesses to also have that same mindset. I want my grandchildren to be so proud of what I was doing with my life and with my work. And any leader who believes that will be more driven to make sure that their business is sustainable, taking care of their staff, taking care of their companies, uh, of their customers, of their community. Uh, it's such an important part. It's not just about uh, cutting costs and the bottom line. It's so much bigger than that. So talking about uh, having a vision for your legacy, it's all connected to sustainability. All right, let's continue. I have more tidbits in here that I don't want to forget about, so that's why I'm going through this. Um, the live interviews, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, the live interviews were an online extension of the networking event Seeking Sustainability, which I was doing in Hiroshima uh, from 2019 when I started my own business. These in-person events featured zero waste, plant-based foods, and drinks, a free cycle section to exchange goods you didn't want anymore, but maybe somebody else might want, a zero waste shop where you could bring your own container and buy the product without the package, uh, to buy plastic-free items in your own containers, as well as DIY sessions. Uh, we had a DIY session making plant-based milk, uh, making your own toothpaste, making your own soap. We had guests 
uh, who were asked to give 10 to 20 minute talks. And we always had lively group discussion with them after and a really good networking time. And so the talk show grew out of this idea of this in-person event, which I, I started uh, with some ideas from other people. Uh, we kind of built upon uh, different ideas and added everything I wanted to do in the same event, which seemed like it's too busy and too chaotic, but somehow it worked. And uh, this is a similar model to what I try to do online with the talk show series and have an extension of that event. Um, at first, it wasn't clear how to do it. I was searching for hope, feeling a bit depressed about the impossibility of travel and in-person events. So I first reached out to a talented photographer friend on Twitter named Alfie Goodrich. And Alfie stunned me with an immediate, yes, I'd be happy to share my photos and travel stories with you on a live stream chat. And that was the first guest to say yes. And now almost 300 guests later, oh my gosh, keeps going, amazing. The 60 minute news show, uh, the reason to choose 60 minutes, of course, inspired by uh, 60 minute, the news show, uh, which I grew up watching. And uh, the talk show format, the multi-stream, get to as big of an, as wide of an audience as you can by multi-streaming to different platforms and getting different guests and doing what you can do, uh, just trying to do what you can do during COVID. Um, that momentum and inspiration comes from Tea with Gary V. Uh, I was watching his interactive live stream uh, weekly series Tea with Gary Vee and giving people advice about how to move through COVID, how to follow up their entrepreneurial ideas and really encouraging me and so many other uh, entrepreneurs to get started and to just try out your ideas and to take the risk, take the plunge. And now I think one hour still seems like a good amount of time to deeply dive into a topic and create more value for the listeners. Uh, for the more engaging speakers, we've had, uh, thank you so much, been blessed by them saying yes multiple times and coming back again and again onto the show. I talked earlier about uh, the benefits of using HAPS and how I've been welcomed in by the HAPS community and I'm really happy to be here on this platform. And it's uh, helped my sending it out to multiple locations, made it a lot easier. Another change this year is having more international guests and realizing that a lot of the issues we're talking about with environmental sustainability, uh, social impact problems, peace, because I'm in Hiroshima. Um, there's so many issues that we talk about, like coronavirus, like climate change, which is borderless. So there's no reason not to also reach out to international guests and invite them to be guests on the show. Uh, having different time zones is certainly a little bit more tricky. Uh <laughs> Some of the international guests I've interviewed, I've I've had a talk at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. Um, I can't do late at night, even with a nap, 
but uh, sometimes I'm able to do a 7 a.m. show because I'm up at five. So for me, that's not too bad. <laughs> uh, enjoy. Thanks for joining from YouTube. Hey, Jackie. Congratulations, JJ. You are a multimedia broadcasting rock star. I admire all that you are achieving with this series and thought leadership. Oh, Jackie, you inspire me so much with what you're doing with Enjoy Diversity Rocks Innovation. And I'm looking forward to coming to Nagano and doing lots of travel shows with you there, uh, maybe sometime next year. So we're looking for angel investors or funding to help uh, support me to go and meet up uh, around Japan with some of the guests and these amazing people who I've had the pleasure of connecting with around Japan who are doing great things. Uh, but we need some funding to make these things happen. It would be great to have someone who's a professional photographer or videographer as a part of the team to make sure the live streams on location are very high quality. So you can donate uh, to me, but also we're looking for bigger investment to really make big change. So hopefully big plans ahead for 2022. Very excited about a lot of uh, potential as we move back into uh, the potential for travel, future travel, and uh, including sustainability models in travel. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. Nagano Inaka Living Rocks. Yes, I know and have talked to so many amazing people in the series who are from the Nagano area. And man, I got to get there. We just need some funding to make sure it's high quality when I do. Um, so I talked about audience demographic. I talked about research a little bit. Um, I love doing all the research. It is so validating. I usually spend at least a half day um, to a full day researching every guest, but it's much more than that. From the moment I book them a month in advance or two weeks in advance, I'm thinking about them in my mind, in the back of my mind. I'm listening to podcasts and interviews they've done. I'm looking at websites and research they've done, books they've written, articles they've written, even from years ago, and trying to pull things out, which I can bring up during our talk to make the talk the best use of their time and the best use of time for the audience. That's always my goal. And I love the research, I don't know. I guess from years of being an educator and writing academic articles, I just, I love that research. And I love, I love, love, love it when I bring up some part of the guest past or a part of the website that they weren't even thinking about for a while. And I bring that into the conversation and they're really happy that I brought it up because it's not something they've been thinking about recently. That's magical. Love it. Um, so the podcast top 10 I mentioned earlier and popular themes I mentioned earlier and about English. Uh, so at first I started doing all the, the talk shows bilingually. I uh, roped my talented bilingual son into all these episodes and he was helping with translation. But realizing that it takes a real different kind of audience to have patience for both languages to be spoken. 
Um, in the future, I would love to work with someone who's a talented video editor to edit down the key points from the different episodes and definitely have uh, subtitles added. But I have noticed that Google Sensei and YouTube Sensei are moving into AI subtitling as a part of what they're offering on their platforms. So I think we're going to start seeing better AI-generated translations and subtitles being added. Of course, it's not as good. It's never going to be as good as professional translators. If I had the funds, I would love to hire full-time translators to make sure that all the subtitles are there for all these great talks with amazing guests, and we can really reach the Japanese audience who is searching for this information, but there is a gap right now in getting that information to them. Um, I can tell that you really research your guests and it shows you're always well prepared. Oh, thank you so much, Kyle. That means a lot. Um, I'm always so happy when people say that and I'm so happy uh, when the guests say that, that they feel uh, honored that I was researching into all their work, of course. And uh, I notice that when I watch uh, some interviews or listen to some podcast interviews, I'm really disappointed when the host doesn't do research and they're not prepared because it's it's really disrespectful for the audience time, but also for the guest time, most of all. So if it's an author, I try like hell to read that book before I talk to them. Um, or at least skim through and find important parts that I can introduce and then go back and read it as slow pace later and really take it in. I would love to have authors on more than once because before I talk to them, I read through kind of at a quick pace to make sure I get through it and get the points I want. But then I go back and read it at a slower pace and then I get so much more from it. So I want to talk to them again. So I'm hoping I can uh, do a repeat with uh, some of the authors like Hannah Kirshner. I've been rereading her book. Uh, Winifred Bird, been rereading her book, uh, Asby Brown. There's just so much depth of information. So I definitely want to have those guests on again. Thanks so much for commenting, Kyle, from YouTube. So I'm almost done. Uh, what happens after 300? So good question. I think I said that before. I never thought I'd even get to the first 100. Now that I've reached 300, I'm planning to still focus on the talk show uh, pretty much as my full-time crazy job uh, till the end of the year. <laughs> and then uh, as more travel and consulting work starts coming in, fingers crossed, um, I can cut it down a little bit. Of course, people are getting busy as well. Um, but now a lot of the guests that I reach out to, they have time to dedicate an hour or two uh, to allowing me to get the research, uh, doing all the pre-work with me, and then, uh, of course, appearing live on the talk show. Um, so I would just like to add at the end, of course, of course, thank you, thank you all so much. I bow my head very deeply to the tatami mat to say a big domo arigato gozaimashita to all of you. Thank you so much for all of your support. I couldn't do it without all of you. 
um, your wonderful comments, questions, your fantastic support of me uh, in many ways uh, through introducing guests, talking about topics, uh, donating a few dollars here and there uh, for some coffee or pizza. I love it. You guys are awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much. Couldn't do it without you. Special shout out um, to the guests, of course. Uh, you guys are amazing. I hope that in some small way I have been able to, by promoting the good work that you're doing, uh, better connect you to an audience who's looking for you. And hopefully if anybody is looking for any focus, like specific focus in sustainability, get in touch. And I can definitely recommend which guests in the series um, to connect you with. And uh, I'm happy to, to play that role as well. Kind of a, an agent for my guests who have been on Seeking Sustainability Live. So that's it. That is the end of my show. Oh my gosh. I did it. Exactly one hour. Good stuff. Thank you all so much. Have a great day. Uh, if you're free today, noon, please join us as I talk to Ebony Brown about uh, her life in Tokyo and her art and creativity and uh, more great talks next week. So please join us again. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Excited about the collaboration with Few this month. Uh, not this month, in October. They have a big 40th anniversary uh, of the Few Japan. So is it featuring entrepreneurial women? I forgot what FU stands for. I'm sorry, but I'm going, I have the pleasure of on the 30th of this month, uh, speaking to some of the founders and leaders of the FU group. And it's not just Tokyo now, it's all over the world, all over Japan. So definitely empowering women. We need more of that in Japan and everywhere. So, so happy to collaborate with you guys. Uh, for empowering women. Perfect. Yes. So happy to collaborate with the few group and uh, promote ways that we can support and empower each other as women in Japan. Thank you all so much. Thanks again for joining. Have a great weekend. Have a wonderful Saturday. Take care. See you next time.